welcome to Church Talk. In today's episode, Pastor Priji talks about favoritism in the church environment. He talks about this challenge and the impact and effect of partiality on individuals and fellowship. He enlightens us on how to overcome this obstacle in our ministry. Tune in for a wise word and to align your service to God. Hello friends, welcome to Church Talk Podcast. We are so excited that you would tune in today. You know that this podcast is exclusively devoted to helping you do church better. You may be a pastor, a church planter, a volunteer, or just a nusher in the church. But it's necessary for us to know how the church is supposed to function and what are the various aspects in the church that needs an upgradation. Now, when I say upgradation, I'm not saying that we are going away from the biblical way of doing things. Instead, we are going towards the Christ-centered way of doing church. It's necessary that as a family, as an organization, as a community, you understand God's heart for the church. Today, I'd like to just address this one topic that has been very heavy on my heart personally. I've been speaking to people and talking with communities that are facing this issue of favoritism. You know, this is a big challenge uh, in the church. It has always been. It still is. Uh, What is favoritism basically? It's when you prefer one person or one kind of uh, group or one community better than the other. And it's even there in the church. We would expect the church to be free of all kinds of favoritism. We would expect this to happen in corporates or in uh, the schools and colleges or in the world outside, in the political arena, in the sports arena. But the church is the last place we would expect to see favoritism in. And yet, there is favoritism which is still prevalent in the church. If I would be in a conversation with you, you can quote examples So many examples from your church, from churches around yours, churches that you've been in, churches that you've visited, churches that you've heard about where this problem exists. The question really is not whether it's still prevalent in the church today. The question is, what do we do about it? How can we tackle it? How can we overcome it? And I hope that this conversation will be a blessing to you. If it is, let us know how it helped you. Let us know what spoke to you or what ministered to you or what you're going to do about the problem of favoritism in your church. The biggest challenge is if it is being propagated by the leaders or the elders of the church. If it is somebody who is not in a position of authority in the church, it is still manageable. But when it is propagated by a leader or a pastor or a authority figure in the church, it is a serious problem. My hope and my prayer is that you will have the grace to confront and have difficult conversation with your leaders, with the people that are in authority, in positions of power in your church. This is the same thing that happened in the first century church. If you go to the book of Acts in chapter 5, we would see that there were certain people that were favored over the others because of which certain people didn't get food, certain people were not served well, and 
the believers, the widows of those uh, churches, they had the guts to confront the apostles and say, guys, this is not cool. What we are doing is not Christ-like. This does not glorify God. They brought the problem to the apostles and the apostles had to sort it out. See, the first century church was driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, there was a problem of favoritism. How much more will we find this issue in our churches today? So if you do find favoritism in your church, don't freak out. Don't say that my church is bad or my church is wrong. You know, the best of the churches will still have this problem. The thing is that we are unaware of this most of the time. It's only when we pay close attention to details, to relationships, to uh, conversations, to things that we need to be giving more uh, time and space. That's when we realize, hey, wait, our church, there are people in our church, homes, families in our church who've been a victim of favoritism. And if you read the Bible, it's very clear, you know, in the book of James, especially when Apostle James, he addresses the problem of favoritism and he says, this is not cool. We cannot have this in the church. We cannot have this among believers. You cannot show favoritism to one and show partiality to one and and show extra favor for one and show extra love and extra care and extra sympathy for one and discard the other. No, that is a complete no-no in the church. We have to understand this from the very beginning that God is against favoritism. God doesn't like favoritism. He doesn't do favoritism based on how good we are or how great we are. The Bible says that he makes the rain fall on the wicked and the righteous alike. He's a God who shows no favoritism or no discrimination. And if that is how our Father in heaven is, that has got to be our nature too. That's what is explained in the book of James where he says, hey, if you are going to be giving preference to people based on how wealthy they are and how nice looking clothes they are wearing and how well built they are and how they have all the kinds of things going for them, you are committing a sin against the body of Christ. You should understand that the church is not just a organization. It is not just a community. The church, it represents the body of Jesus Christ. And when we show favoritism, and when we show partiality, and when we play politics that are going to now divide one brother against the other, we are in fact doing it against the body of Christ, the literal, the physical body of Christ, the literal representation of Jesus on the earth. We are in fact doing it against Jesus. We need to remember that fact from the very onset, from the very beginning that we are not just doing this in a church or in a cultural context or uh, to people that we know or to the people that we understand or people that, uh, you know, we relate with and they will understand, they, are, they, they, they get the point, you know. It's not just with people that we are dealing with. We are dealing with our King. We are dealing with our Lord. The way that we respond to this issue, the way that we cater to the people that are hurt in the process, the way that we address people that are on both sides, those that are being hurt 
and those that are the ones hurting those that are just sitting and being spectators of all the drama that is going on in the church without having an opinion about it the way that we deal with each of these groups will go a long way in us being able to build a church that Jesus would be pleased to be part of you know we need to have our churches in such a high standard that Jesus would love to be a member in that church if Jesus was physically on the earth today he would love to attend your services he would love to hang out with your cell groups he would love to hang out in your prayer groups he would love to hang out in your uh, times of uh, having fellowship and dinners and and all the things that your church is involved in jesus should love to do that that is our hope and that is our prayer let me give you a few examples of discrimination of favoritism that i've heard of or that i have come across i've seen people discriminate others based on uh the education background that they have wait these guys are not as educated as uh, i am i don't think they need all the things that i need i need more attention i need more help and i'm more spiritual because i am more educated or i am more literate you know jesus came to change all of this in his lifestyle and and he ministered more to the illiterate and the poor people and the ones that didn't have much background of uh, the study of torah and the religious scriptures um, he he gave more of his time to those that had absolutely no understanding you know the bible says that god has in fact chosen the foolish ones of the world to put to shame the wise when we understand how god functions we will never make a discriminatory action based on education another big issue even james mentioned it in the book of james it's the issue of finances that rich people get preferential treatment you know those that bring more money into the church those that tithe regularly those that bring more offerings and donations they get preferential treatment they get special seats they get special mentions in pastor's sermons and they get special uh, treatment when there is special functions in the church all of that is part of favoritism our churches cannot be known for that you know the other thing that matters a lot even in the indian context is what caste the family belongs to and based on that they are expected to sit on the floor or they are expected to sit on the chair or they are expected to sometimes even sit in the balcony i've heard of a church that i would leave unnamed and this church would have two different types of vessels that will be passed on during the communion one vessel for the higher caste people and another vessel for the lower caste people and when i heard about this my heart broke because this is one of those prominent churches of our nation and i was like wait a minute when will the message of jesus truly enter into the church to an extent that we begin to see people the way that jesus sees them and another very serious issue is where we look down on people who have sinful backgrounds you know if they have come from a very shady lifestyle we look down on them if they have any issues with homosexuality or prostitution or a uh, sinful uh, drug uh, abuse or you know addictive backgrounds we have a natural way of looking down on them 
and treating them always with doubt and fear and suspicion in our eyes. And all of those are ways in which we discriminate and thus we show favoritism towards some and we push away or disregard or discard some people. My hope and my prayer is that each person that is listening to me today, you would identify some of these issues or examples of discrimination in your own church, in your own fellowship, and you would actively work to fight each and every one of them. Get to the root cause of all of it. You know, it's not just enough that you uh, deal with it on the surface. If you're a church, you know, cell group leader or a worship team member, and you you see that there is partiality happening based on these these things, you can definitely fight it out. This is a, an issue which happened all the way from the apostolic church to the present day church. You can fight it out. You can go and try and talk it out and confront the people involved and try to bring up the issues. You know, the uh, reasons that I have personally noticed is that it's because some people have a high self-image, have an over-inflated image about themselves. They think that they are better than others. And that's the reason they behave in a certain way. That's the reason they look down on someone else. Our job as pastors and leaders in a church is not just to identify people that have these issues, but also to help them, to give them a correct perspective about who they are and how to grow in humility. Sometimes it could be their upbringing, their family exposure, the way that their culture treated these group of people. One such example is racism. You know, when white people grow up, they are taught or they grow up in an environment. I'm not generalizing it, but there are times, there are families that are racist. And the families may generally teach the kids you need to be aware of these guys. You need to stay away from them. They are going to hurt you. They are going to look down on you. They are going to abuse you. And that will automatically drive you to do the same thing your parents did when you are an adult. So you need to go back and find the root cause of these issues in the people that are hurting others. Find out why is this happening? Where is this coming from? Go to the root cause. Just saying don't do this is not going to fix it. Another big issue is past hurts or trauma caused by a particular group of people. For women, sometimes it can be an abuse by a man. And then they have a gender bias towards all men. And they want to stay away from them. They look down on them. And they try to uh, get the wrong meaning out of everything that men usually do because of a trauma that they have experienced in the past. And when you go to somebody like that, you need to deal with a lot of gentleness, with a lot of love, with a lot of grace so that they can find healing from their past trauma. See, every one of us, when we hurt others, it is because we've been hurt. So if we can get back to the root hurts where we've gone through, that we have been experiencing, that we have been exposed to all through our lives, it will open up the door for a healing in our hearts, consequently bringing us to a place where we will experience wholeness in all of our relationships. And the way that we perceive others will now be the way that God perceives them. You know, we need to talk about Christ-centered relationships in the church, that 
We need to do relationships the way that Jesus wants us to do them. That is why in the first century church, when they had the problem of, uh, you know, favoritism, when they had the problem of discrimination against a certain kind of people, what they did is they appointed spirit-filled people to take care of these things. They didn't say, okay, let's vote for few people who are Greeks and few people who are Jews. No, they just took a group of people that were spirit-filled, that were full of God's word, that had the image of Jesus on them. And they said, now these guys are going to be responsible to serve the tables henceforth. So you have to drive this point across in your church that this church has to be a Christ-centered church. Our relationships has to be driven around the leading and the uh, characteristics of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's primary responsibility is to create in us an image of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the joy, the patience, the goodness, the kindness that is part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's the job of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, we need to talk about this in our churches, that our churches need to develop Christ-centered relationships, Christ-centered conversations, Christ-centered way of treating others. And whenever it is necessary, I'm not saying you should do this all the time, but there are going to be extreme cases of favoritism. There are going to be extreme cases of hurt and hurting. And in those cases, it's necessary that you even seek external help. Bring in a counselor if necessary. Bring in an apostolic figure if necessary. Something that I do is I bring in a prophet as a guest speaker to the church. It's a brilliant strategy to break down every walls, every barriers in the church. Because they come in and they expose things that are hiding under the blanket. And even consequently, be the reason for healing in those relationships. Bring healing into those conversations. Bring healing into those situations. So it's necessary that you be open to seeking external help whenever necessary, whenever possible. It is not wrong for you to admit that I am new to this or that I don't know how to deal with this. The church at Corinth would constantly write to Apostle Paul asking, how can we deal with this? What do we do about this issue? How can we deal with uh, this sin? What can we do to practically help these people and to serve these people? And Apostle Paul would write back to them with solutions, with things that he has heard in the Spirit. Now, the church at Corinth did have pastors. They did have leaders. They did have elders. And still, they would reach out for external help. Whenever there is a problem, a division, a challenge in the church, they would always bring in external help. And that's something that is very much lacking in our day and time. Every church wants to show off that they are perfect and that there is nothing wrong going on in the church and that there is no weak person, no struggle whatsoever. And we try to hide our mistakes and our failures rather than trying to bring in the specialists who are learned in these areas or who are focused in these areas or who are experts in these areas and bring in eyes and ears that are not already partial. It is in fact a good practice to bring people from outside your church 
on a regular basis, even when you don't have an issue, even when you don't have a problem, to just come and share on anything that they could catch on and figure out. And whenever you do this, your church is going through a process of purification and of sanctification and of molding and of one where they are going to be equipped to do relationships in a different manner. I still remember a couple of years back, we had a prophet come to our church and I didn't tell him anything. And he just walked in and he started prophesying from day one and day two and day three. And he was firing bullets at people. And our people actually came and asked me, Pastor, did you tell him what we told you in private? Because all the things that our church people would have told me in private was being publicly proclaimed on the stage. And and solutions were being released for each and every one of those issues. And, and it really, really helps, especially when you have the problem of favoritism, when you have division as a result of the favoritism, groups and cliques that are formed in the church because of this favoritism. It's necessary that you bring in external help. As the pastor, people may see you as one-sided. People may think that you're taking sides or you're trying to take uh, the side of one group and excluding the other. But an external person can come in and speak the heart of God without uh, the people having a preconceived notion about them. See, and as the pastor, you need to be very, very ferocious in disciplining your people. You don't have to hold back just because people don't understand everything or because they don't agree with your viewpoint. It doesn't mean you hold back your disciplining. See, the Lord will hold you responsible for those that are being hurt and those that are being alienated or isolated in your church. And if there are people that are hurting others and you're not taking any steps, any actions to stop it, then you are the one who will be responsible for it. So you need to constantly discipline and do it as often as necessary. Study the book of Proverbs on how often a father should correct his children. And you can do it as many number of times. Those with wisdom, those with understanding, those who are truly loyal to this church, those who are truly supposed to be part of your church, they will understand and they will align themselves to the correction. The others, they will just disconnect. They will just walk away. They will withdraw. And that's perfectly fine. You don't want them. You don't want the ones that are not going to submit to you. As a pastor, as a leader, you need the ones that are going to understand the fact that if you're in this church, you need to function according to the protocols and the principles and the layout of this particular church. And when you are conscious about correcting people, and disciplining people, it will also serve as a warning to others who are watching them. Apostle Paul would do this several times and he would name the people that are doing these sins in public and he would say, let this serve as a warning to those that are watching and let them avoid doing the same mistake. That is the two-point benefit of disciplining. And you need to do this on a regular basis at the cost of people even leaving your church at the cost of people getting upset with you, at the cost of you losing some really wealthy people in your church or some really uh, influential people in your church, you need to still go ahead and discipline them. Let me also remind you 
that those in your church that submit to your discipline, that submit to your leadership, that submit to the instructions that you give them, they will see the favor of God upon their life. They will see the blessings that will follow because of obedience, because of submission. And automatically that will be a testimony for everybody else to do the same, to surrender and to you know, imitate their submission. This is something that is so lacking in the church in our day and time. My prayer is that your church will be different, your community will be different, that you will give adequate value to disciplining people that are in the wrong, disciplining people that are speaking and doing the wrong things. And as a pastor, as a leader, whatever role or responsibility you've been given, it is necessary that you communicate expectations. You let your team know, this is how we do it here. One of the rules we have in our church is that you cannot talk in a vernacular language when there is a person that doesn't understand that in your group or in your Bible study or in your hangout times. It may just be an informal hangout, but you cannot be talking in a language that others cannot understand. Especially because we've got Africans in our church, we avoid talking in Hindi. We avoid talking in our native languages. We avoid talking in a way that others will become suspicious of what we are talking. See, as a pastor, I have made it very clear to my team members that this is not something I'm going to tolerate. I have communicated to my leaders how I don't expect them to make fun of others or to criticize others or to ridicule anybody. And because of that, they know that this is crossing a line. When I do this, I'm crossing a line. And your church needs to know that your Family needs to know that your community needs to know what are the expectations that you have from them. So on a regular basis, talk about your expectations in your team meetings, you know, and teach as often as possible on this topic. You know, we can't wait for a problem to arise so that you can do a teaching series or a special uh, conversation or a special problem solving meeting. No, teach as often as you get an opportunity to talk about relationships, talk about unity, talk against division, talk against favoritism, talk against uh, cliques and groups being formed in the church based on language and preferences and, you know, personality types and, you know, all even age based groups that are formed sometimes in church can actually become a secondary way of showing favoritism. And you need to expose all of this in your teachings from time to time. You know, when I'm doing this teaching here, this is a way of me exposing some issues that I feel we need to pray more about, that I feel we need to talk more about. I feel that we need to discuss about this more often. Make sure that there is nobody who will be found in our churches, in our day and time, that are going to be victims of favoritism. You know, one of the sad things is that the victim doesn't even know that they are being victimized. They don't even know that they don't have the favor of the pastor or that they don't have the love of the worship team leader. They don't have the grace with the uh, pastor's wife. No, this cannot be so in our churches. This cannot be so in the church of Christ. We need to learn to love everybody equally. Now, having said that, there are always going to be people that are going to come to you and say, 
hey, pastor, you're showing favoritism to this person because you always give this person chance to lead worship, but you don't give the other person chance to lead worship. You should understand that the stage of a church is completely out of bounds for general public. Everybody doesn't have access to the stage. There are certain people who are equipped for it, mentored for it, empowered for it. Some people that are appointed specifically, they have been laid hands on so that they can stand up, preach, minister, worship, do whatever is necessary and they are being uh, trained towards it. Only those people will be appointed to do that from time to time as the leadership seems fit. That's not showing partiality. That is just you wanting something that doesn't rightfully belong to you. There are things in the church that belongs to everybody. For example, in the New Testament church, food was something that the church used to give to everybody. And if one person gets food and the other doesn't, that is showing partiality. If the pastor is open to meeting people, but he's not open to meeting certain kind of people, but he's open to meeting the others, that is showing partiality. Whatever is available for everybody, if you are being deprived of that, then it is favoritism. Otherwise, it may not necessarily fall under the category of favoritism. So you need to learn to also use your wisdom to understand when you are being a victim of favoritism. Is this just that I am a victim of favoritism? Or is it that uh, there is certain protocols and principles in our church by which a person is elected or put into places of authority and leadership and serving in the church. The serving in the church is a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege that God gives to people that he chooses from time to time. And sometimes he chooses the most unexpected and unqualified and the most unwanted, the most rejected kind of people. That's got nothing to do with how good they are or how privileged they are or how much rich they are. No. God would always have his ways of bringing people up that others have discarded. And that is in terms of serving. But there are other things in the church which is a right, which is supposed to be available for every member of that house, every son and daughter of that house. And I pray and I hope that your church will do everything possible to work towards creating an environment where there is no favoritism in the church. You should understand this was there all the way from the book of Acts. If it was there in that first century church, it's very possible it's still there in our church. Try to look for the examples of all kinds of discrimination in your church and get to the root cause of it. And promote a Christ-centered way of doing relationships in your church. Seek out external help when necessary. Discipline as often as possible. Communicate your expectations and teach the way of Christ to your people. And that is the way you are going to overcome the problem of favoritism in your church. I would love to know your thoughts. I would love to know your experiences. Feel free to write back to me. Uh, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on Telegram, if you're there, uh, on email. However you would like to get in touch with us, you're welcome to write to us. We hope to connect with you again in the next three weeks. Until then, Continue to serve God, continue to serve your church. And if you are blessed with this podcast and would like to help in taking these podcasts to more people, consider partnering with us on 
pastorpriji.com/donate thank you for tuning in have a blessed and a beautiful weekend ahead thank you for listening to today's podcast hope you were blessed do visit pastorpriji.com/podcast to subscribe for more resources related to church and various topics Thank you.